0: Good morning. As we continue in worship, uh, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, if you will, uh, where we'll be today. Um, We're at an interesting time in the life of the well, uh, as we've met in this location for the past three years. Uh, Next week will be the last Sunday at this location, Uh, and it's exciting uh, because God is forwarding the mission of the gospel through this church uh, to different parts of the city, through different uh, avenues, different arenas, different opportunities. Uh, so uh, if you're new here, welcome to the well, uh, and we'll be somewhere else in two weeks. So uh, come here next week, uh, come here next week, and, uh, and um, after that we'll be meeting at uh, Warren Road Elementary School on Sunday mornings, uh, as well as um, having an office space and a classroom space at 1124 Broad, uh, which is a block down on the other side of Broad Street, so um, there'll be more to come about that. But uh, at any rate, as we turn to Acts chapter 2, where we've been for the past couple of weeks, is we're seeing uh, the mission of God uh, through the personal work of his son Jesus, uh, and seeing that good news, that gospel mission continued uh, through the apostles uh, and into the church of the first century that ripples out to uh, you and I today as part of uh, Christ's church. So, uh, let me pray, and we'll we'll dive into this and see uh, see what God has for us this morning through His Word. Let me pray, uh, Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you for this morning, uh, a time to gather with Your people, you God, a time to gather around uh, the singing of Your praises uh, to You and over one another, a time to open Your Scripture, a time to hear uh, Your good news of redemption, uh, Lord, the the good news of Your Son Jesus, who has uh, done amazing things throughout history and uh, continues to do amazing things uh, by your Holy Spirit uh, through your church today. So God, I pray that over the next few minutes as we uh, look at your word, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our minds to understand and our hearts to receive this good news. God, give us wisdom. Uh, God, transform us by your spirit and by your word that we may be uh, truly your people for your own possession, zealous for good works. Uh, God, that we may uh, be transformed for your glory, our joy, and the advancement of the gospel. In Christ's name, amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word. Friends, today we get a picture of what Christian devotion is. What it means to be a part of God's people and the object and the motivation of your devotion. As we've seen through the earlier part of Acts chapter 2, we see how how Jesus had commissioned his apostles to go out and be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we see how Peter, um, empowered by the Holy Spirit, preaches this amazing sermon in Acts chapter 2 in the presence of the most wise and devout religious men in Jerusalem. It was a time of Pentecost when, when, when God's people gathered together and celebrated his covenant faithfulness to them, c- celebrated his provision and protection, celebrated uh, his goodness and then their identity as his people. And so Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, stands up, preaches this amazing sermon saying how all of this expectation is, is coming true in the person and work of Jesus. And we see that the backdrop, the context for this is, is devout religious people. I mean, Jerusalem during this time was filled with with people who were devoted to God's word. They were devoted to religious tradition. They were devoted to to good spiritual practices. They were devoted to their heritage, to their culture. They were devoted to each other. And so in this context of of deep religious and spiritual and, and personal devotion, Peter stands up and proclaims this amazing sermon saying this is all about Jesus. And we see the response is that thousands were baptized, thousands repented, thousands came to faith in Christ. And then in verse 42 through 47, we see the description of what it means. You see, the gospel transforms people's motivations and devotions. No longer devoted only to a religious construct or a a personal preference or, or some sort of cultural background. There's a devotion that shifts from that to Jesus and to Jesus's people. You see, in Acts 2, 42, in hearing the gospel, empowered by the Holy Spirit, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, now, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the same passage, so get very familiar with verses 42 through 47. But today, we're going to be looking at what it means to be devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. You see, what's interesting here is the devotion is all-encompassing. It's not that they are devoted to one thing, but it's they are devoted to the apostles' teaching, and they're devoted to Fellowship. They're devoted to breaking of bread. They're devoted to the prayers. And so there's a shift when you become a Christian, when God saves you, when God shifts you from one set of motivations and devotions to another. So as we look at this description of what it means to be a gospel-centered, Christ-centered church, because that's who we want to be, right? That's who we're yearning to be. We need to first see what it means to be devoted, and what it means uh, by the apostles' teaching, okay? Now, biblically, the word devotion means an ongoing giving of oneself. It's a steadfast dedication. It's what you pour your whole life's time and energy and money and efforts into. And there are many things to be devoted to in our day and age today, right? I mean, there are good things to be devoted to. Many of you in this room are devoted to your education. You are giving, uh, you structure your entire week and month, and this next several months and several years, perhaps, around your education. Many of you are here at, at Augusta State or Payne College or uh, Georgia Health Sciences University. Georgia Regents, we won't go there. <laughs> and so you, you have structured your entire life around your education for this season. And that's a good thing. It's okay. Many of you have been brought here maybe because of your military service. First of all, we thank you for that. But also, you have been brought here to do a job or maybe be trained at Fort Gordon. And so you have had to structure your whole life. You've devoted your whole life for this season for your job or your military service or your education, whatever it may be. But we see the heart behind devotion is what what your heart desires and longs for and what you structure your actions after. And and over time, you become like that which you are devoted to. Now, we see in the first century that there are, are, are devout religious men during the time of Pentecost gathered together in Jerusalem to worship God. They're devoted to their culture. They're devoted to their God. They're devoted to the scriptures. But we see here That by the power of the Holy Spirit and in response to the gospel, when people become Christians, when when Christ saves people and the devotion shifts from one set of things to another, we see the descriptor of what that is. Now, devoted to the teaching and the fellowship. I want us to know, first and foremost, that in verse 42, those two things go together. The early church was devoted to the teaching and the fellowship, and we're going to talk about more why those two go together in a moment. When I say the word teaching, several things probably come to mind. Often, teaching can be limited to maybe just information, because you think, like, I'm going to go to school and get some information for my brain, and so we think that teaching may mean just information, like, let me think about some things, and that's the teaching. Often we think teaching maybe can be limited to just practical skills because many of you guys are in trade school so you go somewhere to learn a skill to practice and that is what teaching is. Now those two things are part of teaching but when it comes to the teaching of the apostles, when it comes to scriptural teaching, I want us to have a fuller sense of what it means so that we can know what we are being devoted to. You see, the risks of limiting biblical teaching to information only is, is not fully the gospel. Because then we'll say, well, what do we need to know to be Christians? If we limit biblical teaching to what we need to do, that too can be dangerous because we forget part of the gospel. And in so doing, we become prideful. We can become fearful because we want to know stuff in order to uh, do the right things. And that's not bad. But when we look at the concept of biblical teaching, there's so much more to it. In the Bible, we see that the word teaching here uh, can mean doctrine, it can mean instruction, it can include the Old Testament, it includes the New Testament, what we have is the New Testament. And so we see here that the early Christian church was devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And what happens is by God's Holy Spirit, through the teaching, they are transformed to be God's people So, today I want to ask this question as we move forward. I'm going to give you a couple insights to how this passage ties into who we are as a church today. As the well, uh, in this time of transition from the well into Redemption Church, uh, and this time of transition from this location to two other uh, locations— so to speak. What does it mean to be people devoted to the teaching? So devoted means it's all of your motivation and all of your, you structure your life around something. So we want to be devoted. And the first century church was devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. We'll talk more about fellowship next week. So we want to be devoted to that. What does it mean to be devoted to the doctrine, to the teaching of of scripture? Uh, What does that mean? And we'll say it this way. I'll just sum it up in three ways. We're going to say that be devoted uh, to the teaching means that we are devoted to the gospel that's been revealed, the gospel that's being applied, and the gospel that's to be proclaimed. Because we see the apostles teaching. I'm sorry, can you guys free me for a second? Can you turn this down up here? I'm sorry. Something's, I'm kind of distracted. I'm sorry. Something's like echoing in my ear up here, and I don't know why. Forgive me, guys. <clears throat> All right, back on track. Thank you. That's better. Um, so when we talk about the apostles' teaching, we want to know well, what is this doctrine that they're teaching, right? I mean, what are the apostles' teaching? For one, when we look back to the earlier part of chapter 2 and we see Peter's sermon at Pentecost. Peter was showing the information and the application of the gospel. He is citing the Old Testament from the prophet Joel, from the Psalms. He's saying, look, if you want to know what, what gospel teaching is, it's encompassing all of the Old Testament. But not only the information of what it is, and not only the response, the application of what you must do, because he calls people to repent and believe. But what's important not is only, not only the, the what of the gospel and the how of the gospel, but the who. Because he says, look, this is all about Christ. In verse 36, he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who you crucified. And so the apostles' teaching is is all of the Old Testament pointing to Jesus. It is showing that Jesus is the fulfillment of this. It is the gospel revealed through Scripture and through the personal work of Jesus. It is the gospel applied because there is practical things you must do. And likewise, it is the gospel that is proclaimed. So we're going to look at those three things real quick and then wrap up how that ties into who we are as a church, the well slash redemption today, okay? The first thing, the gospel revealed. All of scripture is to reveal who Jesus is and what he's done on behalf of God's people. That's what scripture is. So we look in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They're devoting themselves to what the apostles are teaching, showing that the gospel has been revealed uh, by the person and work of Jesus for us recorded in Scripture. What Jesus has done, His perfect life, His death as our substitute, His resurrection from the grave. What we know is the good news. That's what Peter says in verse 36, after quoting all of these Old Testament Scriptures from Joel and Psalms, Peter preaches this sermon and ends by saying, let everyone know that, that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom He crucified. That's what we have today. Luke, the one who wrote The book of Acts said in Luke 24, 44, quoting Jesus, he says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. You see, Jesus himself said, look, everything in the Old Testament is pointing to me. If you want to know the good news of Jesus, if you want to know the good news of God's kingdom, it's not only information about God. It's not only application of what you must do. It's a a revelation of who the person is of Jesus. All of scripture points to Jesus. All of the Old Testament, all of the law of Moses, the prophets and the psalms are leading to Jesus. That's what Jesus himself said. And so we look at the gospel revealed through the person and work of Jesus. The gospel revealed uh, recorded through scripture for us today. That's what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3:16 that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And so here we are as a church today, the well, we've been in existence for a few years and we are transitioning to a new season where, where our name is going to become Redemption Church. And, and we're going to have a, a, a new worship location on Sundays at Warren Road Elementary School. We're going to have a new base of operations in downtown Augusta, a block down at 1124 Broad Street. And, and we, we're saying we want to be a church that's devoted to to the apostles' teaching. We want to be a church devoted to the Word of God. We want to be a church devoted to the Old Testament and the law of Moses and the Psalms and the New Testament, not only for theological information, lest we become prideful, thinking we're so smart, not only for practical application of of how to live moral lives, lest we become fearful, but we want to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the scriptures, to the gospel of God, because it's, it's joyful. It's liberating because it reveals our rescuer, Jesus. That's why we're devoted to scripture here. When we gather together, and it's always my fear as, as a young, frail, goofy pastor, that I would stand up here and just try to ramble off long words so that you could become really, really smart. And then we miss the person of Jesus. It's my fear that I would stand up here and say, you've got to do better and try harder because you're a bunch of sinners. And then we totally miss Jesus. And never, ever, my prayer daily is that the gospel would always be proclaimed uh, through whoever's teaching and preaching here. That we would be talking about the revelation of the personal work of Jesus, the one who rescues us from our fear, from our pride, from our sin, from our brokenness. That's what the apostles' teaching is all about. That's, that's worth devoting to. So in the first century, when you have a, a bunch of smart religious guys around, this is good news for them. Because they're gathered together saying, look, we're really smart. We know the Old Testament. And, and, and Peter says, look, it's not just about information. It's about transformation. Huh? And they said, look, we're doing all the right things. We're, we're moral, we're, we're religious. And Peter says, look, it's not just about that. It's about it revealing this Jesus who rescues you, who can do that even better than you can. I mean, Jesus is, is the best Jew that ever lived. And so for a first century Jew, this could be very, very liberating. And so we see the gospel is revealed through the personal work of Jesus. The good news is revealed through Scripture. That's what the apostle's teaching is, and that's why we're devoted to that. But secondly, we see the gospel is is to be applied. I mean, once the gospel is revealed, you do something with it, right? It transforms you. It's not something that you you do so that you can receive this good news, but it's, it's receiving the good news that gives you something to do, right? It's like Jesus says, look, the gospel is not do these five things and then you will become a child of God. That's not the gospel. The gospel is look, like, you're a child of God, now do these things. You see the difference? The gospel is not do X, Y, and Z so that you will be saved, but rather you have been saved, and because of that, here's how your life's gonna look. And so when we look at Acts 2 42 through 47, it's not like, hey, if you devote to the teaching and the fellowship and you break bread and the prayers and you have glad and generous hearts and you share with the needy, then, then you will be God's people. No, on the contrary. It's God has saved you. God has wrecked your life with his good news. He has transformed you personally and in your marriage and in your family and in your neighborhoods and in this church and missional communities. And because of that, wow, we're going to be devoted to that good news. We're going to be devoted to each other in fellowship. We're going to be devoted to gathering together in worship. We're going to be devoted to to sharing uh, everything we have with each other with glad and generous hearts. And that's what the gospel applied is. We have the gospel revealed. Now we have the gospel applied. It's not sufficient just to know the good news. You've got to do something with it. That's why teaching and fellowship go together. We'll talk more about fellowship next week. But, but if you have just the apostles teaching and you're sitting on a mountain forever by yourself, you can't really do anything with it. I'm all about taking times for retreat. Don't, I mean, you retreat and go pray and have time alone with the Lord, but then you come back into the community and live it out, right? Teaching and fellowship go together because the Christian life is not a solo sport. The response to the gospel is belief and repentance. After Peter preaches this sermon in verse 38. He says to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we see in verse 41, those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. You see the gospel's revealed and a response is for us to apply it. After Christ has revealed this good news to us by his Holy Spirit, through his word, we apply it to our lives in the context of community we, we repent we believe we're baptized into a fellowship of of other believers so that we, we may live this out as james says in james 1 he says be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves i mean friends what do you do with the good news when you hear it i mean when i stand up here and say everything about the old testament is leading up to jesus and then Jesus comes and rescues God's people from Satan, sin, death, hell, religious legalism, moralism, humanitarianism, environmentalism, fear, pride. What do you do with that? He said, well, that's, that's good to know. Can you make a four-syllable word out of that and tell me the Greek? Or do you walk away saying, man, I need to do this so God will love me. Oh, I hope not. I hope it's, wow, that's good news. Now let's apply it to our lives so that our lives will show God's goodness to his people, to each other. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 4.16, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. That's one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. Because Paul is writing to young Timothy as a pastor, and he says, look, keep a close watch on yourself. Your, your Bible translation may say on your life. He says, look, keep a close watch on just how you live life and the teaching and the doctrine, because those two things go together. And by so doing, you will save yourself and your hearers. So here at the well, in a couple of weeks as we move and we become Redemption Church, how do we apply this gospel to our lives? Friends, I submit to you there's personal application, that that you are personally reading and studying and meditating on Scripture and applying this to your life. When you open the Word and, and it says repent of your sins, I'm hoping and praying that the Holy Spirit is bringing to mind sin in your life that you need to repent of. And then giving you that freedom to embrace the good news of Jesus. When we open Scripture and it says, love your neighbor as yourself, I hope you don't say, well, that's a good axiom to live by. I hope God is bringing to mind what neighbor in your life you need to practically love. When, when, when just any part of Scripture, when, when Scripture says pray for one another, I hope God brings to mind people that you know that you need to pray for. You with me? I hope there's personal application of this good news. Likewise, we have missional communities here. It's a time for us to gather together in, in groups, in neighborhoods, and people's homes, to have life-on-life application of the gospel, to, to live this out, to repent before other people in the room. We, get, we have even smaller, we call DNA groups for discipleship, nurture, and accountability. If you're not in a DNA group, we want to get you in one. It's a great time to sit down and say, look, let me just confess my sin to you. Let me just tell you what I'm struggling with. Let me... Will you help me apply this gospel to my life? Because it's, it's not a solo sport. We're in fellowship together. We're, dedicated to the, uh, we're devoted to the teaching and the fellowship so that we can apply the gospel to each other's lives. I mean, I was, you guys watch the Olympics? Did you know the Olympics are on? For like another day, right? <laughs> and then it's Shark Week on TV. Can't wait. <laughs> Did you like? I was watching the Olympics last night, and you know, just there's so many analogies in the first century uh, that that are used in Scripture uh, that are like you know Olympic analogies, right? I mean, they talk about run the race. You know what I mean? Running the race is not a solo sport. It's it's like we were watching the you know the relay last night, you know, and watching these guys drop the batons. You know what I mean? Like when you're running, and you're like, wow, oh, it's such a tragedy when the baton is dropped, right? Like, the race just falls apart. But see, the beauty of the gospel is that, is that that's why we run the race together in fellowship, so that we can apply the gospel to one another, so that you're not running with a baton by yourself, just tirelessly in circles. And then if you drop the baton, you know, you're not disqualified. Forever, somebody will pick the baton up and hand it to you. You with me? I'm not an athlete. This is so hard.
1: <laughs> but
0: the Christian life is done in the context of fellowship. And so the gospel is revealed. The person and work of Jesus reveals the good news, and the scriptures record this good news, and and by God's Holy Spirit, this good news is revealed to us today. So the gospel is revealed through the apostles' teaching. It's revealed through the scripture. Secondly, the gospel is to be applied. We take the word and we apply it to our lives personally. We apply it to our marriages. We apply it to our relationships. We apply it in the context of fellowship and community together. Here is a church as we worship together, as we gather in missional communities, as we gather in DNA groups. And thirdly and lastly, the gospel is to be proclaimed. I mean, this good news is something we, we hear, it's something we apply, and it's, it's something we proclaim, we announce this good news. Acts 2:42, devoted to the teaching, to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship involves proclaiming this good news. Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2 showing how all of the Old Testament leads to Jesus. The rest of the New Testament is talking about how Jesus fulfilled all of the Old Testament's expectations and how we must live as these new, uh, this new identity as God's people. Every time you open Scripture, the Holy Spirit is, is opening your mind to understand this. He's opening your heart to receive this good news and apply it to your life. And likewise, this good news is to be proclaimed. I and mean, we see Paul writes in Romans 10... He says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. You see, there's our mission as, as God's people, as He saves us, as He gathers us, we are to be devoted to the teaching because it's God's constant revelation of who He is and what He's done. It's God's constant uh, reminder of how this gospel is to be applied in our lives in the context of fellowship and community with each other, and it's how it's what we're to proclaim. It's what we're to announce. There are people who don't know this Jesus, and they need to hear about this Jesus. That doesn't mean all of us should stand. We just have a preach-off. Everybody just get up here and start preaching at each other. That'd be fun, right? You want to come up here? You? Come on. It could be fun. But that's not, that's not exactly all that we are called to proclaim. I mean, how, how we're called to proclaim. Tomorrow, when you go to work, you were you to, to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. You don't have to stand at the water cooler and just start hitting people over the face with a Bible. That would work. It does. But moreover, you can... That's why I lost my last job. Um, that, that's how you could, the, the guy that sits at the desk next to you at school, or, or the lady that is sitting in the cubicle next to you at work, or, or the person, the customer that comes into your shop all the time, or, or, or the person that works at the store that you go to to get coffee every morning. All right, they need to hear the gospel. You don't have to walk in and just hit Romans 10 in their face, but you can just share with them what God's doing in your life. You can just share with them your brokenness and say, you know what? I had a bad week last week. But let me tell you how good Jesus is. One of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life to my shame is to get off a plane from this awesome pastor's retreat and come home and I'm eating dinner with my wife. You've heard this story before because it's the most most embarrassing thing I've ever done. One of the most. (laughs) It's not the most, but it's one of the most embarrassing things I've ever done. I'm sitting there eating dinner with my wife and this is at our old, old house, old neighborhood. And, and, and this lady's driving by, and she throws a cigarette out of her car, and my yard catches on fire. And I get some, it's just a little bit of smoke, but I was so angry because there's cigarette butts in my yard all the time, and I knew it was this one lady across the street who always put cigarette butts in my yard. It drove me crazy. Really crazy. And so I throw my fork down at dinner, and I run across the street, and I just lay into her. I'm like, I'm tired of be throwing cigarette butts in my yard. You set my yard on fire this time. And the lady just starts crying. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't, oh, I'm so mean. You know what I mean? I'm like, I just, I'm a pastor. I just came from a pastor's retreat. And I go lay into the, I hardly even know this lady. I just lay into her because she set my yard on fire. Well, it turns out she's at a really hard spot. There was some hard stuff going, this is years ago, there's hard stuff going on in her family. And she starts crying and telling me all about this horrible things that happened to one of her relatives and how she just came from this horrible thing. And I just I felt like such a jerk. And I just like walk back across the street and I sit down and I tell my wife and I'm just like, I don't even know what to do, you know what I mean? So I go back across the street a little bit later and I just I apologize to her. I said, Look, I'm a sinner. I'm a wreck. In that moment I was selfish. I loved my dried up leaves in my front yard more than I loved you. And I was concerned about my My yard more than I was concerned about your needs as a neighbor and that's wrong and we please forgive me and and, I mean we didn't like lay out the Roman road and we didn't have a baptism service in her backyard but but I was in that moment able to, to share the gospel and say look I'm a pastor and I'm a wreck and Jesus has to save me daily from my sin and from my struggles and from my selfishness and from my foolishness so go do something stupid this week and then repent later And then, and then point to Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> don't try to do something stupid. I'm repenting right now. Jesus is the hero of all this. Amen. Amen. Today's weird, isn't it? Everything's weird all the time. But God is good. So don't go do anything criminal. I mean, good grief. <laughs> have to like bail everybody out of jail tonight you told us to do something stupid we're doing prison ministry from the inside because we you know, you know. Oh, i'm so sorry today's just a weird day but at, at, the, at the end of the day so like when you go to work tomorrow and you're like short with one of your coworkers or you're short with your boss just point to jesus and say look i need to be rescued man repent all the time well, if you want to freak somebody out who's not a christian just like repent like ask their forgiveness go up to somebody who's not a christian and say look I'm, if they know you're a Christian, they're like, that's just the misconception that, that many people have is that Christians are like, you know, goody two-shoes. They do everything right all the time because they're just so perfect. Well, one of the most crazy things you can do for the gospel is when you mess up is go up to a non-Christian and just repent and say, look, I'm, just, I'm a mess, man. I need you to forgive me because I wronged you. And I want you to know that Jesus forgives me because he's the hero. He's rescuing me. He saves my soul from Satan, sin, and death, but also He's rescuing my, my reckless life, my anger, my temper, my, my crazy behavior. And that could, just, that could speak volumes to a non-Christian, because they're not looking at you anymore, they're looking at Christ, and that's the whole point, right? That's right. And so we see the gospel is revealed, the person and work of Jesus is revealed through the scriptures. And that the gospel is to be applied in the context of fellowship and, and community, personally and in each other's lives. And thirdly, the gospel is to be proclaimed so that non-Christians can see the beauty and excellencies of Christ. And for Christians, we need to hear the gospel proclaimed. That's why you're here today, I hope. I mean, if you're here and you're, you're not a Christian, we want you to be. But if you're here and you are a Christian, you need to hear this gospel too. I'm hearing this gospel right now. We all need to hear the gospel proclaimed time and time again. So here at the well... We, we gather together and have the word taught and, and proclaimed from, uh, the, here from the stage. We hear it proclaimed through our readings and prayers. We hear it proclaimed through the music. When we gather in missional communities, or if you have children in, in uh, what's going to be called Redemption Kids soon, our children's ministry, you're going to have the gospel proclaimed to them. We, we're going to have different classes throughout the week. Coming up, we're going to have a youth, youth gathering. For teenagers, uh, starting in a few weeks, the gospel will be proclaimed there because we all need to hear this good news. Not just information, not just application of what to do, but the good news of who Jesus is and how he's rescuing us from being, being uh, sinners and just messed up. So Paul writes in 1 Timothy 4.13, this is why he charges young Pastor Timothy, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. So, we're back to where we started. The first century church is devoted, their whole life is structured around, their whole motivation is toward the apostles' teaching and fellowship and breaking of prayer, bread and prayers. And so, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to break that down what it means to be in fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Um, but for now, being devoted to the teaching for us as a church, for us as the well, that means we are devoted to the proclamation of the gospel through scripture. This involves both information and application, but more so the transformation by the Holy Spirit in response to this good news. It's our hope, it's our prayer that that the teaching is not only individual stories of the Bible, but it's the grand story of God's redeeming of his people from Genesis to Revelation. This loving father pursuing his crazy children. This loving husband pursuing his unfaithful bride. That's the story of redemption. That's the story of the gospel. That's why we proclaim it every Sunday. That's good news, amen? This good news changes everything for us. That the God of creation would expose and deal with the idols of the human heart and transform us to be his people. That wretched orphans could become sons and daughters of God, that we could become princes and princesses in the kingdom of heaven, and that for now we gather together and devote ourselves to this good news and to each other. In closing, I'll say this. Last week I read something that I put up on the city, and I will link it up again if you didn't see it, if you don't know what the city is, or, um, but I wrote out what, what the hopes for Redemption Church would be as we trans, as we kind of move from from the Well Community Church, and we and we kind of transition into Redemption Church in a couple weeks. And as we as we move from worshiping down here to worshiping at a school and having a, a base of operations on Broad Street, a little different, a little different methodology, but it's it honors Jesus, and I can't wait to see how what He does through it. But but I read out some hopes for Redemption Church that I'm asking you to pray for over the coming weeks. And so we're going to post that link again, because if you missed it, we want you to see it, and if you saw it, we want you to see it again, and we want you to pray about it. But, but the hopes we have uh, are that we would grow as a church in gospel depth, that we would grow as a church in gospel community, or sorry, in community depth, and that we would grow as a church in missional depth. And so we'll talk about community and missional depth in the coming weeks, but today I just wanted to recap what gospel depth is because when we look at the first century church, devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, that's gospel depth. It means growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It means growing in our understanding and application of Scripture, of God's Word. It means growing in faith and repentance, and growing in joy and humility. So that's our hope and prayer as Redemption Church uh, begins, that we would grow in that gospel depth. Are you with me? Okay. We're about to have a time of response, and I'll say this. If you are a believer, I want to encourage you to take time to, uh, uh, to repent um, of self-sufficiency, maybe repent of sin and idols in your life, and, and just celebrate the gospel. Celebrate God's goodness to you that's been revealed through Scripture, the person and work of Jesus, and, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you how you need to apply this good news in your life right now. So that's what I, I want to ask you to do during this time of response. Uh, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, we are so glad you're here. And, and we want more than anything for you to see Jesus as the true hero of the faith. Uh, that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to try to be perfect. You can just be a disaster. But God loves you. And he, by his grace, through his son Jesus, is rescuing you. And we want you to know that. So if you want to come talk to me about that, just come grab me and we'll talk about the gospel, okay? Let me pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you for a uh, time to get together. Um, God, I, th- I thank you that uh, you have done amazing things throughout history and that you have done incredible things through the personal work of your son, Jesus. And then by your Holy Spirit, this good news has rippled throughout generations through your word and through your church. Uh, God, through, um, uh, through amazing ways. And Lord, as we are at a a season as a church transitioning from the well to redemption. God, I pray that you would be the focus of everything we do. The the gospel would be the motivation behind every decision made and every action as a church we do and everything we are motivated by personally. God, that indeed we would be a gathering of people, your church gathered together, devoted to this gospel, devoted to each other. For your glory, for our joy, and that the gospel may advance in this city and beyond. And so, Lord, now as we have a, a time of response, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be bringing to mind uh, sins that we need to repent of. Maybe we'd be quick to repent. May we be quick to ask forgiveness if we've wronged someone. Maybe we'd be quick to forgive if we've been wronged. Gotta pray that that your good news would be like a salve on our wounds. That you would. Uh, that you would uh, heal us from our hurt and brokenness personally that we bring on ourselves, our hurt and brokenness that's been done to us. And God, I pray that that good news would just transform us to be your people. And God, for those here who, who don't know you, Lord, I pray that you would uh, awaken hearts, awaken minds to see your beauty this morning. And for all of us, Lord, that we would live a life devoted to this good news and to each other, that we would uh, live lives of ongoing repentance and ongoing faith in you, Jesus. We thank you that you are a good and perfect uh, founder of our faith, that you are a good and perfect son of God, and in turn you adopt us as children of God. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.